Hi, I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Welcome to my show, America Can We Talk. Today, we're going to talk about why leftists attack Justice Clarence and Jenny Thomas, Trevor Loudon on the Ukraine, finishing up that great interview from the weekend, uh, Biolabs and his take on American churches, leftist loony loses her seat, and DeSantis, Disney, and children. And of course, I'll tell you why these stories matter to you. Stay tuned. On America Can We Talk, I talk about election integrity, border security, healthcare freedom, race relations, energy and tax policy, education policy, free speech and assembly, freedom of religion, and all other issues that touch on the God-given right of every American to life, liberty, and the pursuit of their version of happiness. Stay tuned. America Can We Talk is sponsored by GC Works, a Dallas-based company performing advanced technology research in the oil and gas industry. Hello again and welcome to America Can We Talk and to today's First Five. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. I may read a column about this topic we're about to talk about, but there has been uh, a call in Washington, D.C. for Justice Clarence Thomas, one of the esteemed members, nine members of the United States Supreme Court, to step down or otherwise be impeached because his wife, Ginny Thomas, is a political activist. That's basically the argument. She, Ginny Thomas, during the course of the election uh, concern and confusion after the November 2020 elections, when many, many Americans, and now even more Americans feel this way, but many Americans were pressing to have the uh, a closer look at what appeared to have occurred in November 2020. She, Ginny Thomas, have been politically active. This text messaging with Mark Meadows, an advisor to um, President Trump, and what she was essentially saying was, come on, if you have information, you got the proof, let's go, release the Kraken. She's encouraging Mark Meadows and the uh, Trump team, essentially, to go ahead and get everything out there now, because obviously, once you have Biden sworn in, it's much harder to get attention paid to all the evidence of election fraud. Because the January 6th committee looked into it and is still investigating the uh, non-issue of insurrection on January 6th, the emails and text messages she exchanged with Mark Meadows became public record. This has caused uh, intellectual luminaries, such as a uh, Democrat member of the U.S. House, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, AOC, to just erupt in, in outrage. This is outrageous. They, you know, uh, she, he, Clarence Thomas, must step down because his wife is politically active. I want to tell you why, they're, why the left is really hysterical, why they're really hysterical about Ginny Thomas. Number one, they have been hysterical about Justice Clarence Thomas since the moment of his nomination. In fact, one of the main members of the U.S. Senate who assaulted, attacked, harangued, maligned, ridiculed Justice Clarence Thomas during his confirmation hearing was none other than then Senator Joe Biden, now he who occupies the White House. So they didn't want him in the Supreme Court to start with. But what really bothers them, what really gets under the skin of the anti-American left is that Justice Clarence Thomas is a black conservative. He actually believes in conservative ideas and values. He actually rules in his Supreme Court rulings consistent with what he believes in. He refuses to do what the leftist Marxist Democrat Party insists on, which is every person of color must agree with our views on everything. Justice Clarence Thomas has the audacity to think for himself. And this outrages the, the AOCs of the world. This outrages the anti-American left. This outrages many Democrats who've been pushing and pushing and pushing for all sorts of special privileges, all sorts of, at this point in time, pushing for the acknowledgement that America is a systemically racist country, a, a, a you know institutionally racist country, that we need reparations and all sorts of things to fix this pervasive racism, all of which Justice Clarence Thomas, a brilliant black conservative jurist, simply rejects. His, his determination, tenacity to think for himself and not just to salute whatever the anti-American left tells him he's supposed to think because of his skin color outrages them, outrages them. This is really at the core of all the opposition to Justice Clarence Thomas. 
Ginny Thomas is an American citizen. She has a First Amendment right to speak. She has a First Amendment right to advocate for the issue she believes in. She has a First Amendment right to believe in and speak the idea that she believes there was outcome-changing election fraud in 2020. As now, I believe polls are showing the, uh, um, the uh, majority of Americans think that there was, there was election fraud on a massive scale in 2020. But because she's married to him, and she said it out loud, he should lose his job on the Supreme Court. I mean, the, the arrogance is all on the side of the anti-American left. The arrogance that says, we tell you, because you're of your skin color, what you must think. You're not allowed to think for yourself. It's the, the attitude that leftists in this country have toward black Americans is profoundly racist. It is the idea, because your skin color happens to be black, you aren't allowed to think, we tell you, and if we, if you don't think what we think, and you don't parrot the party line, and you don't do what we tell you, we will attack and malign and ridicule you. I don't think that the people pushing for Clarence Thomas to step down or be impeached really think that he's a bad guy. They don't really think he did anything wrong. They've just seized on the idea that they have an excuse to tell the American people, well, look, his wife, my gosh, his wife supports the, um, the argument that the elections of 2020 were, you know, were fraudulent or at least highly questionable. So Clarence Thomas and his wife aggravate the left because he dares to be a conservative. They also aggravate the left because they dare to be publicly outspoken in high level positions. She does, Jenny Thomas does, in calling out the fraud of election 2020. That is the other reason that she is violating one of the rules that the anti-American left has tried to set for all of American society, which is you're not allowed to say that anymore. No one's allowed to talk about election fraud in 2020. No one's allowed to talk about election fraud at all. This is the, the rule that the left has tried to lay down. Department of Homeland Security even issued a bulletin announcing that you might be a domestic terrorist if you claim the election of 2020 was fraudulent. And this is really what is aggravating the AOCs of the world and others calling for Justice Thomas to step down or be impeached. They can't believe, they cannot shut up the American people, especially in the form of Jenny Thomas and someone prominent like her, because and, and their determination to speak up about election fraud. They've tried to make the rule and no one can say that and they're outraged, they can't get people to listen. I'll tell you one other interesting thing, in California, uh, two years ago, I think it was, Governor Newsom uh, put in place a um, panel, an, a, like an investigatory panel, to look into the question of um, whether or not there should be reparations paid to black Americans. So this, you know, blue, a blue ribbon panel of people digging in in California to decide if the state should go to, down the path of paying reparations for slavery to black American citizens. I mean, the whole idea, let me just point out, California wasn't even a member of the union at the time there was slavery, number one. And number two, the big dispute they're in recently is whether or not it should be every single black American, or at least a black person who lives in California, should be entitled to reparations. You know, even if you happen to arrive in America's shores 10 years ago, you emigrated from, from Africa or wherever country or country or continent you came from, like even if you only came recently, you still, because you're in America, should be entitled to reparations because of slavery. And that was a big issue they debated as though that was a serious question. So people whose lives are not possibly impacted by slavery, um, in fact, that's true of almost everyone today, but even people newly in America, there are people arguing, oh no, no, they should all get, everyone with black skin should get reparations. You know, and I raise this to say, we'll follow that story in California, because this is just a, a recommendation of a panel. And the panel did say, by the way, they came down, okay, you know, you had to have been in America, I think you know, within the 20th century, essentially, within the 1900s, you had to have been in, in America. So they're at least willing to cut it off there. We're not gonna have a, a discussion of reparations for today, but reparation is one of those issues when you're a leftist Marxist, it is a huge vehicle to use to divide the American people, to agitate over this claim of systemic institutional racism, to agitate, and this is among the, the uh, comments made at their recent hearing where the, um, the San Francisco head of the NAACP was just talking about systemic racism, institutional racism, and this is why the government should forcibly transfer wealth 
from people who earned it and businesses who earned it to other people based on whatever line they finally draw and say who's entitled. So back to Clarence Thomas and Ginny Thomas. These are extraordinary patriots. They are both extraordinary patriots. If you have not read Clarence Thomas's book, My Grandfather's Son, it's an extraordinary book. He's speaking of himself because he was raised by his grandfather and the lessons he learned. And he went through actual discrimination and, and the lessons he learned, the character he built, the determination he found in life to make his way and to succeed and achieve in life. These are tremendous American, you know, uh, just, just quintessential American stories about the goodness of American society and the ability to achieve and succeed if you apply yourself. Another whole argument the left wishes to ignore. So closing out on Ginny and Ginny Thomas and Clarence Thomas, these are extraordinary patriots. And Ginny Thomas has First Amendment rights, like every other citizen, to speak, to agitate, to believe in what she believes in related to election fraud or any other topic. And at really at the core of the agitation by AOC and the leftists saying that Thomas should step down or else be impeached is racism. That's what AOC is engaged in and everyone around her and, and on that same argument saying that because Ginny Thomas is politically active, Clarence Thomas has to step down. That what they're really outraged about is the idea that Clarence Thomas dares to step out of line, dares to disagree with what the left has decreed all people of color must believe. They find his capacity and, and tremendous intellect and willingness to stand by his principles, think for himself, arrive at his conclusions on issues by himself. They find that outrageous and offensive that because they've made the rules about what people of color must believe and Clarence Thomas won't listen to them. And that, my very fine friends, is today's first five. So yesterday, we, we, uh, I played most of my interview. Over the weekend, my husband had the great opportunity uh, to spend time with um, Trevor Loudon, who uh, was in Dallas to give a speech on Sunday night. And we, I did an interview with him, and I had, I had broken it up in segments, and I played most of them yesterday. I, but I do like to give a little commentary before, um, before each segment. And I want to finish it today, because he's really a great thinker about about communism, and he's a great researcher, uh, digging into the question not just of you know, the Chinese Communist Party, the Russian communists, but the ideology of communism and the many organizations around the world funded, uh, formed, manipulated, steered by the communist ideology, and especially within America. He's a, just a treasure trove of information about organizations in America that are pushing communism under the guise of some happy talk, other agenda item. He, he's just a brilliant guy. So uh, what we talked about, um, we did hit on the bioweapons labs. Um, and I want to hit that, briefly play that, because among the justifications for people uh, saying why, uh, why Putin felt he had to invade Ukraine was because of all these bioweapons lab, labs along the border. Um, and so I asked him about that, and here's what Trevor Loudon had to say. So even after we wrapped up, we realized one more topic we wanted to hit, which is there's a lot of talk about the uh, ex apparent existence in the Ukraine near the border of Russia of bioweapons labs. In fact, the more recent, most recent um, discussion over the weekend was the idea that Hunter Biden was somehow connected with funding these, uh, he says, bioresearch labs, people call them bioweapons labs, and that is given as a justification why Putin felt he had to invade uh, Ukraine. So are, are we again being manipulated we are being played um yes um, Putin, you know it's quite possible that hunter was involved in some aspects of that look we've just had a bioweapon unleashed across the world from china why isn't putin invading china why isn't he doing that because china is his ally we need to understand that russia the soviet union has had major bioweapons programs for 60 years you ask anybody who served in the u.s military in europe they talk they were trained to counter the yellow rain this was a russian biological weapon that makes you bleed out from every orifice in your body Russia has the, the biggest bioweapons programs in the world and has done for years. Many of those, those labs were in Ukraine because Russia controlled Ukraine. When, the, when Ukraine broke free, they had these labs there. The Americans decided at the time 
Is it better to keep these labs open and keep these scientists employed so they don't go to North Korea, they don't go to Iran, they don't go to Syria and work against us there? We'll keep them there under our control. They were used to investigate what Russia was doing. They were used for legitimate biological research into pathological diseases, etc. Yes, I don't know. I can say some of them may have been used to produce weapons. That is possible as well. But this is not why Putin is going into Ukraine. Putin's going to Ukraine to expand his empire. He wasn't talking about these weapons in the lead up. He's only talking about them now because the Russians have flooded the internet with so much information about them. And Victoria Newland made that confession. Now it is opportune for him to use this as a justification. And because millions of Americans have been so freaked out with the COVID, quite justifiably, it is a very easy stretch to make them believe that this is the reason Putin did it. This ties in with the narrative, Putin saving us from the New World Order, Putin saving us from the corruption, Putin saving us from the biolabs. It's all garbage. It is Russian propaganda. And I can understand why millions of Americans believe it, but that doesn't change the fact that that is what it is. This is Russian propaganda. Again, Trevor Loudon, thank you so very much. Okay, I want to tell you a couple things before we, uh, So first of all, I thoroughly enjoy talking to him. He's really a great and deep thinker. We've talked about in the show many times, there continues to be a dispute among conservatives about whether or not what uh, Trevor Loudon is saying is correct, that, you know, Putin is just, he, he's a communist in the good old days. If you heard the show yesterday, uh, he, Trevor Loudon, said in this interview played yesterday that uh, Putin had recently uh, funded and organized a massive youth rally for communists around the world. They all went to Russia. He spoke at it. He spoke very stridently about, uh, you know, communism coming back, blah, blah, blah. So. The second uh, view, though, is the other view that many people are holding is that really, uh, in this particular circumstance, maybe Putin's invasion is wrong, but you hate to defend Zelensky and Ukraine. You want to care for the people of Ukraine, but the government of Ukraine is so corrupt. Uh, you know, all of the money laundering allegations that seem to have seem to be accurate and all of the concerns uh, that with Hunter Biden and Burisma and being paid, you know, you know inordinate amounts of money to do nothing for this uh, energy company within uh, Ukraine and the argument that Zelensky so the question is Zelensky like a man of the people loved by the people as Trevor Loudon would say or is Zelensky a new world order guy and a uh, really an agitator for new world order and uh, and you know someone that we should not spend treasure of any kind supporting so who is Zelensky one little thing came out today I want to mention about Zelensky that there is a video going around uh, that is Zelensky himself speaking advocating for the idea to help Ukraine and in, in fending off Russia his message is to Western Europe hey Western Europe why don't you hurry up and develop your solar and other uh, non-fossil fuel um, energy. Why don't you hurry up and all the new energy sources, you know, let's just get rid of the fossil fuels because if you do that, if you weaken your reliance on oil from Russia, you'll weaken Russia. And so, and so you know, his basic, let's call all Mr. Climate Change, Zelensky went all Mr. Climate Change, saying to Western Europe, the answer is, you know, develop very, very quickly alternative uh, sources of energy. When what he could have said was, hey, America, get off the dime of this climate change garbage, turn back on the oil spigot, develop your energy in America, use all the resources you have in America, flood America and the world with American produced energy, and this will weaken Russia. He chose, Zelensky chose, the climate change leftist, new world order, you know, climate change advocacy avenue which makes him, in my view, more suspect. Anyway, we're going to play one more segment of Trevor Loudon. I have much more on the show today, but I want to finish Trevor Loudon. So the last thing I want to talk about, I talk with him about is this. He's talked about Russian disinformation campaigns ongoing all over America uh, in, in many, many contexts. I want to share one thing. We got into the topic of the American church, the Christian churches in America. 
And essentially, he's talking about how, you know, we've talked on the show many times how communists came to America in the 1920s or so, realized they could never take down America militarily. We were so superior. The communists couldn't defeat America that way. But they could infiltrate our culture and infiltrate our culture. They have. I mean, communist Marxist ideology. We've been over this many times on the show. You know, through many, many avenues of American culture, society, academia, journalism, everywhere you look, the communist, socialist, Marxist ideology is like a like a slithering snake it is weeding its way into America's culture. Well, he talked about the particular impact and great harm to America that came because Russians also used this tactic to invade the Christian churches of America and to spread their ideology into the Christian churches of America to dupe, essentially, the Christian churches that formerly relied on the Gospels, the teaching of the Bible, for their teaching and instead got duped by the Russians to turn to left-wing political advocacy in the place of the Gospels. And, so, and he, he has a video, he's going to mention at the end, a new video out called Enemies Within the Church. And you can, he gave me a copy of it, which I need to play as soon as we get a hold of a DVD player. We don't have one, but we will get one. Um, but you can also download it at Enemies Within the Church, enemieswithinthechurch.com. Here is the rest of what Trevor Loudon had to say. You mentioned a few times in this interview the role of the churches and the Russian invasion ideologically of America and Russia's or communist thinking invasion into Christian churches in America. I understand you have a new film coming out, Enemies Within the Church. I'd love to have you talk about that, what, what the film is about and what your concern is about Russian invasion of America's Christian churches. Well, look, um, the communists started infiltrating the American churches in the 1920s. They understood that the churches were the backbone of America. And though they, and because they couldn't attack America militarily, they would have to work on the inside. So you would want to go to the backbone. The very first communist front in America was the Methodist Federation of Social Action. Very first one. The communists infiltrated the mainstream Protestant churches in the 20s and the 30s. They turned them to the left. They amalgamated them with the World Council of Churches, which is run by the Soviet KGB. They infiltrated the Catholic Church as well. And now you have a Marxist Pope and Pope Francis. But what they didn't have were the American Evangelicals and the Southern Baptists, the biggest, most patriotic, and passionate, passionate pro-Israel, pro-America, pro-Constitution factions. These are the crazy people who elected Ronald Reagan. These are the crazy people who elected Donald Trump and set the communist agenda back many, many years. So about 15 years ago, there was a major push through the Gospel Coalition, Tim Keller and others, to bring Marxism into the evangelical churches. And they call it social justice, and they call it critical race theory, and they call it ending white privilege, and they call it refugee resettlement, and they call it welcoming illegals across the southern border. All of this, all of this is Marxism. And it's now deeply entrenched in the seminaries and the Bible colleges. The seminaries and the Bible colleges today are where the ordinary universities were 10 years ago. Almost Marxist, not quite there, but now they're heavily on the way. So the young pastors who once would have come out of Southeastern Baptist or Dallas Theological Seminary, who would have been pro-Ronald Reagan and loved America and supported Israel, are now pro-Bernie Sanders and socialism and Palestine. There's a massive shift underway and it's spreading right through the evangelical churches. If we don't correct this, we will lose the church and we will lose America. It is that serious. So enemies within the church exposes the key players. We have a whole bunch of whistleblowers in there, exposes who the Marxists are in the Southern Baptists, in the evangelical churches, and what they're doing and how critical it is to stop their twisting of doctrine and their perversion of American Christianity. This film you just made, The Enemies Within the Church, is this available yet for the public to purchase or download? Or yeah, how just, do we get it? just go to enemieswithinthechurch.com, enemieswithinthechurch.com. You can either pay-per-view, stream it, you know, watch it in your own, on your own computer or your own home entertainment system, or you can order DVDs. We're getting people ordering 100 DVDs every day. 
we're getting 50s and 60 you know all massive orders it's going out in nine languages it's going to be available all over the world because this is not just an american problem this marxist infiltration of the churches but this is shocking christians all over the country and getting them back on track to get their churches in order because if we don't get you know orthodox american christian not no, i don't mean ortho i mean straight christianity preached mainstream, uh, mainstream, mainstream straight straight up christianity preached in the churches again if we don't get that happening we're going to lose both christianity and the country that is the plan that's why the communists are doing this and this is not something from 30 years ago this is right now in your seminaries in your bible colleges in your churches and virtually every community of this country Trevor Loudon, your work has been extraordinary. Your books, this film sounds wonderful. And I feel like you're this, this, uh, this voice for truth that I mean, I know how passionate you are. I know how you speak around the world and you, and you do your videos and you're on Epoch Times and you're writing books. I mean, you're just doing really the, the Lord's work and awakening America and the world to what is surreptitiously happening uh, behind the scenes. And, and, I, and for many people in Christian churches, they feel like they've been given a cause, something good and noble but to expose it for you know whether it's social justice warrior or the border stuff or refugees whatever it is they, they feel they have something tangible they're doing and they feel good about it and to have you expose what's behind it and what is and what would the outcome of it will eventually be it's just it, you can't cannot overstate the importance of what look, you're doing look christianity is good and noble freedom is good and noble we don't need marxism infiltrating it you know it's good and noble in as of in itself so uh, anything i can do to help i'm willing to do it you know i come from a country new zealand that was facing invasion during world war ii by the imperial japanese army if it hadn't been for the sacrifice of american christian boys who fought at the battles of wadl canal and the coral sea and midway we would have been done everybody around the world who has freedom owes it to america to american christianity to american patriotism that is why i'm here trevor loud i can't thank you enough for taking time to meet with me today look it's a pleasure debbie anytime always great to catch up with you thank you thank you Okay, my friends, that's Trevor Loudon. This is perfect timing because we have about a minute and a half before our radio listeners go off to a break. And I want to mention several great things to keep in mind. Radio listeners, you're going to go off to a break at the bottom of the hour, three minutes, I think. Come back after your break because I have some great, great stuff to share with you second uh, half of the show. For everyone, I want to tell you that I want to make, uh, ask you to mark your calendars for October 15th. October 15th this year is a third annual Women for Freedom Summit. This show, America Can We Talk, sponsors a Women for Freedom Summit, and you can, you'll be, keep watching our website at americacanwetalk.org. You'll begin to see information about who's speaking. Please mark your calendars now. Plan to be in Dallas for the day and the VIP reception the night before. It's a great, great, great opportunity. Uh, currently, we have signed, we have some of our speakers um, committed and some we're still working with. I want to mention the, the stellar lineup we already have. Uh, Lieutenant Colonel Matthew Lohmeyer, and this is the gentleman who served in America's military, attended the Air Force Academy, became a commander in the Space Force, and he, as a commander, watched Marxist, cultural Marxism invade the military, wrote a book about it, and got relieved of his command in the military. So Matthew Lohmeyer, three essentially great doctors on the subject of COVID, Dr. Brian Artis, Dr. Richard Bartlett, and Dr. Mark McDonald, also talking about COVID, and Sidney Powell talking about the rule of law or lack thereof in our country. More great speakers to be announced. Mark your calendar, October 15th. If you're listening online, this is Debbie Georgiatis, America Can We Talk, website, americacanwetalk.org. Come back after your break. For my listeners who are um, online, I want to quick go and I was going to show you this little video. You know, I'm always so intense on this show. So I found this video. I listened to it this morning and I had a vague recollection. It's up in, it's up in some new stories. It's kind of getting a new wave of attention online. I'm not sure when this incident occurred, but it's basically a video someone took inside an airplane when a loony leftist could not stop hassling this young man seated next to her was minding his own business, happened to have on a Trump shirt. I couldn't even see what the shirt said. I think it probably said MAGA or whatever. 
He sits down. She cannot leave him alone. I love what the airline did about it. Let's play the loony leftist video. She has called me names and insulted me just for sitting down in the seat saying that I came here to celebrate today. Is there going to be a problem? Yeah, I hope I would like for him to change seats with someone. No, we're not going to get somebody. Well, you don't have that right. So I will get somebody to come and talk. You pretend you have the moral high ground, but you put that man's finger on the meat on your butt. That man doesn't believe in climate change. Do you believe in gravity? Did you know gravity is just a theory? from but I'll tell you why I love it so much first of all welcome, welcome back to our radio listeners I'm so glad you stayed with us over your break we just played a video of a woman passenger uh, on an airline who made such a hassle hassling this young man sitting next to her who has some kind of Trump shirt on hassling him pestering him just just giving him a hard time that the airline finally removed her and she was asking them to make him move to a different seat I just want to say three things about this this is what the left-wing media does to people. You heard that woman's trying to head back to Portland. I'm sorry, it was for her husband's mother's funeral and I hope she made it to the funeral. But this is a woman so marinated in left-wing media lunacy that she doesn't understand that everyone doesn't have to agree with her. It's like AOC thinking, Clarence Thomas isn't allowed to disagree with what I have said. Back to this thing, this is left-wing lunacy media who has convinced this woman that she has to hate Trump and therefore everybody else who likes Trump must be ridiculed. She has no conception that other people don't have to agree with her. She's feeling indignant because this kid sat down in his own seat and makes such a scene and I mean, really cannot process the fact that the airline is telling her, no, actually, ma'am, you're the problem and you have to get up. So she's, you know, she heard her mention going to Portland, that's her home. You know, she's in the Portland left-wing lunacy media milieu, hearing all this, this anti-Trump, anti-American talk to the point that, you know, she, she can't 
behave like, like an adult. She can't think like an adult. She can't function like an adult. And so she has to leave. So left-wing lunacy. And I love, love, love that that airline just said, no, actually, you know, you're getting off. And even once her husband's pleading, saying, okay, what if we settle down? She'll be quiet. Okay, we'll move. And, it, and the airline just said, no. This, I don't know, this woman is probably still a left-wing lunatic. I'm going to wager a wild guess. I don't know when this video was, if it was right after Trump won or last week. I don't know. But I do know that, or during Trump's administration, I, all I do know is this lady, she very well still may be a left-wing lunatic. She still may, and she's all mad about climate change as this kid's not, he doesn't care about, I don't know what he cares about. She just can't leave him alone. She wants to hassle him about climate change. And I'm just saying, I love the airline just said, no, actually you, you act like a lunatic and you have to get off. We need more of that. It's the confrontational attitude is always one way. It's always from the left demanding everybody agree with them, whether it's AOC hassling Justice Thomas and Ginny Thomas, or it's this lady hassling a passenger. They think they have the right to tell everyone what to think and that they get to be mad at them if they won't agree with them. So this is a sad commentary on that woman, although I hope she's come to some um, better perception of reality. Uh, but I love that the airline stood up. More of this is needed. Okay, that's my little entertainment, my three-minute break part. Okay, I'm going to hit um, this uh, last story. Today. It's kind of a big one. It's been brewing for a few days. DeSantis, Disney, and children. And it's a really interesting thing. I, I want to uh, be sure to um, kind of talk through with you uh, about what... Um, okay, i got to find the right thing I want to show you here. Um, anyway, what I want to um, show you about the... Um, Okay, thank you very much. From DeSantis. So in Florida, sorry, I had to get the right thing up. In Florida, um, they passed a bill which the uh, anti-American lunatic left is calling Don't Say Gay. All this bill says, and the reason I, I really think it's an important topic to talk about, all this bill says <clears throat> is that when children between kindergarten and three years old, so they're four or five, and maybe they're seven or eight, that they don't have to listen to lurid, uh, sexually oriented, sexual uh, conversation. They don't have to have listen in schools to have kids at schools advocating for left-wing sexual standards. They don't have to have kindergartners uh, being told you can choose your gender. This is basically, you know, the most common sense thing. Virtually every parent in America wishes their state would pass a law that Florida passed. Just basically get the public schools out of the business of propagandizing, sexually propagandizing young children. That's what the law is about. It doesn't say don't say gay. It just says just leave that out of the of the curriculum when they're little children. And they shouldn't even be, you shouldn't have teachers talking to them about sex at all. So what happened, of course, as you know, is that uh, the, there was much opposition to the bill, and then um, Disney weighed in. Disney, the uh, corporation Disney, uh, and they, you know, allegedly this, this corporation dedicated to entertaining families and children and all that, they put out, a, they, they're so outraged by this bill. Disney so outraged, they put out a tweet, Florida's bill, um, 1557, uh, should never have been passed and should never have been signed into law. Our goal as a company is for this law to be repealed by the legislature or struck down the courts and we remain committed to supporting the national and state organizations working to achieve that. We are dedicated to standing up for the rights and safety of LGBTQ plus members of the Disney family as well as the LGBTQ plus community in Florida and across the country. These Disney, who wants to entertain your children 24-7 with all their videos, they are outraged that a state passed a law that says stop sexually propagandizing young children. That's what it says. And, and there are parents all over the country, fortunately, I mean, really, fortunately, due to COVID, who finally were tuned into what the schools were teaching their kids in these subjects. So Governor DeSantis has that backbone attitude, the same as the airline pilot had in the video we just showed, that just says, you know, we're not going to get pushed around by you. And that, in fact, let me tie it back to, to, uh, to Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas. He has that same clarity of thought. He is well-read. He's brilliant. He is uh, well-reasoned. And he doesn't get pushed around by left-wing slogans. He doesn't get pushed around by left-wing lunatics, including AOC. He simply, he is 
extremely brilliant, well-researched, well-reasoned, and he stands by what he thinks. That's what Clarence Thomas does. And so, and DeSantis has the same quality, which is in, we are in desperate need of in this country, desperate need for strong-willed people to understand the truth and just stand with it. So here I want to play what DeSantis had to say um, after he was, uh, the uh, D Disney little tweet that I just read to you was put out. Uh, in relation to, to some of the, uh, some, one of the things I, I saw yesterday, you know, we signed the, the parents' rights in education bill. It's interesting when like a Disney-owned ABC would put that out on tweet, they'd say, Governor DeSantis signs bill to prohibit uh, instruction in sexual identity and gender identity in some grades. Some grades. Why would they say some grades instead of K through three? It's just amazing if you're trying to inform the. So you saw a lot of this, but then for Disney to come out and put a statement and say that the bill should have never passed and that they are going to actively work to repeal it, I think one was fundamentally dishonest, but two, I think that crossed the line. This state is governed by the interests of the people of the state of Florida, it is not based on the demands of California corporate executives. They do not run this state. They do not control this state. I also thought it was interesting. I talked to the Speaker of the House yesterday afternoon, and he said Disney never called him while they were putting this through the House. They didn't seem to have a problem with it when it was going through. If this was such an affront, why weren't they speaking up at the outset? And yet they won't. And then for them to say they're gonna actively work to repeal substantive protections for parents, as a company that is supposedly marketing its services to parents with young children, uh, I think they crossed the line. And, you know, people ask me, you know, kind of about, you know, their posture on the bill. I said, you know what? If we would have put in the bill that you were not allowed to have curriculum that discussed the oppression of the Uyghurs in China, Disney would have endorsed that in a second. And that's the hypocrisy of this. And, um, you know, we're going to make sure we're fighting back when people are threatening our parents and threatening our. Okay, I love that guy. I love that guy. I just think he's amazing. And he's one many people have said, I sure hope someday he decides to run for president because he's pretty great, pretty um, outspoken. Okay, second thing I wanted to do was, um, I, I ha we had that clip and then I just think it's amazing in trying to immerse yourself into how you sort this out this issue because there are lgbtq activists disney and others saying oh you gotta let this be discussed in school and there are parents saying please leave our young children alone stop talking to kindergartners telling them they can decide their own gender stop doing that to them and and so what i want to get at is the idea how do we ever get to the place well, this was a normal thing to even talk about, to even be debating. How do we get there? And I wanted to show you a clip. There's two other clips I have. One is from this teacher. This is a teacher um, who's being interviewed in MSNBC. And this is a kindergarten teacher who is essentially talking about how hurtful he found this bill because he can't talk to his kindergarten students about his husband and their weekend uh, social plans. So let's play that teacher. Oh. Yeah, it, you know, it, it's twofold. It really hits hard um, in my heart professionally and uh, personally both. Uh, professionally, it, it truly makes me feel like um, I am not trusted as a professional. Um, I know my kindergarten standards through and through and um, nowhere in our curriculum does it have anything about um, teaching sexual orientation or sexual identity. Um, so for them to to say that, that, that that's happening, um, that, you know, it's kind of crazy. Um, but uh, we should be able to have discussions and, and that's what we're encouraged to do in kindergarten. And then personally, because, um, you know, my, my kids do have questions. They wanna know who the, uh, my partner is in pictures yeah. outside of my classroom and I should be able to speak to that. So, so do you worry that you won't even be able to talk about your own personal home life? I mean, I, I have a child in kindergarten right now. I know exactly that my, my child has two teachers, one of which has a daughter at home um, and is single. The other is married and has four children. I, I know everything about their lives because my kid tells me. Absolutely. You are 100% correct. Um, that's what we do as educators. We build relationships with our kids. And in order to build relationships, you talk about your home life. You talk about what you do on the weekends. That's building community. I It scares me death that I am not going to be able to have these conversations with my children. 
because they're going to ask me what I did on the week. Okay. I just want to play that one. There are many other choices we could have said, you know, could have put up about comments by teachers. I just, I, I want to really urge you to think about the idea. That teacher, that kindergarten teacher, is lamenting how hurt he is and how offensive he finds it to be that he can't talk to his kindergarten class about the fact that he's in obviously in a same sex, I don't know if it's a marriage or relationship, what he called the person his partner. And we've gotten to the point that instead of having some, you know, uh, birds and bees sex education when you're old enough to process this, teachers believe it's their job and their right. I mean, he sounds like it's, it's his right to talk about his personal life at home, to share with his students that he has a husband or a partner, it's two guys who are in a relationship, and it's offensive that the parents don't want their children hearing about that and that the state is telling him, please stop doing that. And you know, I just gotta tell you, I, I know that woman there said, oh, I know all about my teacher, my kids' teachers and what their family life is like. When you are a kindergarten kid and you're going to school, there are mountains of topics your teacher should be teaching you about. Reading, writing, uh, when you're a little kid in kindergarten, you're learning your alphabet, you're learning your letters, you're learning the four seasons. There's just tons of things you could be learning about. And he's acting like he is being deprived of his rights, this teacher, because he can't talk with kindergartners about his same-sex marriage, his same-sex relationship. And, and not even uh, vaguely aware, not, not even vaguely aware that there may be some parents who don't want their kids hearing about this. Yeah, actually there are some parents who try to teach their children that marriage is what the Bible says it is. It's a man and a woman. And you're allowed to say that as a parent, you're allowed to teach that to your child. And if your child is a young impressionable age, they go to school and they get the, uh, this guy is just trying to say, I just want to tell them all about my weekend and my partner and I, you know, this, this whole notion of teachers becoming like pals or kind of their friends with their students and they're telling them about their personal life. We don't need any of that. We just stick to your job. Teach them the, whatever the core curriculum is of kindergarten. Because this, by the way, back to all what this law applies to, I think someone's texting me saying I didn't say it right. The law in Florida applies to, from kindergarten up to third grade. So it is four to eight years old, more or less. So young children, and they're just saying, leave sexual orientation uh, and, and all the gender discussions and gender bender discussions and gender fluidity discussions, and you get to name your own gender discussion and anything goes sexually discussions, leave it out of school. Leave it out of school. It is bizarre we've even gotten to the point that we have to make an argument that to justify why you really don't want to have sexual advocacy for more sexual mores and standards coming out of the mouths of kindergarten teachers. I mean, what DeSantis is saying is so right. This is parents don't send their kids to public school to have them come home and say, well, yeah, I learned all about gender fluidity today, mom and dad. You know, and I really think this is great. How come you never told me I don't have to be a boy or I don't have to be a girl? When kids are young and impressionable, their parents should have the primary and, and really only responsibility to be teaching morality. Schools don't need to be in this business. And I, I just, I can't stress strong enough how bizarre it is that we even have to have this argument. We have to discuss whether the teacher really has the right, if he wants to share his you know, same-sex relationship with his kindergartners and tell them all about it, you know, why not? And, and the idea he's offended in this sympathetic MSNBC report, oh, that's just terrible. What, I mean, I gotta tell you, I don't think when I was in kindergarten, I don't even think up through elementary school, we didn't know anything about our teachers out of school. In fact, it was weird to run into them. You know, weird to run into your teacher at the grocery store or something it was like, wow, they exist outside of school. This whole notion of, of schools as a cozy, friendly, let's share your whole personal life thing. It, it's a bizarre twisting of the role of schools. And DeSantis and those who advocated for this law were exactly right. Very young children do not need to have the state in any form and through the form of the public schools Teaching and advocating on issues related to sexuality is just not where you need to go with kindergartners or even, frankly, up to third grade at least. That's what the, the whole issue was. And Disney weighing in reminds me of one last clip I got to play. So I sent, there's a, a Disney executive, which I, I just found this mind blowing. This is a Disney executive who is explaining why 
why they are just so uh, puzzled, outraged, uh, can't understand, and, and really how she wants to have Disney advocating more and more and more and more and more of the LGBTQ agenda. Here she is, uh, this Disney executive. I'm, I'm here as a mother of, of two queer children, actually, um, uh, one transgender child um, um, and one pansexual child, um, and, and also as a leader. Um, and that was the thing that really got me because I have heard so much from so many of my colleagues over the course of the last couple of weeks um, in open forums and through emails and phone conversations. And um, I feel a responsibility to speak, um, not just for myself, but for them, uh, to all of us. We, we, had a, we had an open forum last week at 20th where um, again, the home of, of really incredible groundbreaking LGBTQIA stories over the years where um, one of our execs stood up and said, you know, we only have a handful of queer leads in our content. And I went, what? I, that can't be true. And I, and I, and I realized, oh, it, it actually is true. We have many, many, many LGBTQIA characters in our stories. And, and, and yet we don't, have enough leads and what she's lamenting and this is a very senior executive at disney is trying to uh she's saying it's really really important to have more and more uh prominent characters leads like the lead actor lead figure in some whether it's a cartoon or a movie whatever it is uh who are somehow affiliated with the lgbtq i think she says lgbtqi something uh category I, I, you know, I tell you folks, these are tender issues. They are tender issues because in great part, we've had our society pushed and pushed and pushed to essentially abandon, abandon all what, is, what was considered, I, I mean, since time began, uh, sexual mores. We've had this notion that in America, you know, you're only enlightened if you not only, that, that if you advocate for, accept, and completely accept at face value uh, whatever someone identifies himself as. So if they are, you know, they, they are a biological male, but they woke up today and decided they're a girl or they're a girl and they decided, you know, when they were young, they want to be a boy. We're told to have, you just simply must embrace and must salute, must surrender and salute to whatever someone says about their sexual identity. And that that becomes reality. And all of it is taught, is, is advocated for from the premise, the basis of that there's no such thing as morality in the world of sexuality. Morality is kind of old school, you know, the Bible stuff, morality, can't listen to that stuff. And so every new perversion, every new twist in behavior, twist in sexual interest uh, is, is celebrated as a brand new discovery, a brand new reality. And so you have people at this level, a Disney executive, pushing to say, yeah, we're going to do more and more of this, you know, and, and what you're doing, I want to make a couple of points really clearly. When you are a, a kindergarten teacher and you're telling your class, I am, you know, I, I have a husband, I'm a guy with a husband, so we're two men in a, in a relationship together. You're implicitly saying to the students, this is normal, this is moral, this is, there's no moral issue involved. And you're implicitly saying, you know, you might be too. I mean, you don't know. And, and so you're, you are advocating by just sharing your story when you're that young. Back to the Disney character, Disney woman, when you're gonna make movies in which the LGBTQI agenda uh, or figures are celebrated as main characters with all sorts of depth and, and, and you know, whatever their heroic things are doing in the movie, you're advocating, you're advocating for normalcy, legitimacy, and you're advocating to young children, this is how you might be, this is how you might think, this is what really may be uh, your real identity, because you get to pick your identity. Even the one thing, by the way, that woman was speaking, she said one of her children is pansexual, and that just is, I mean, her kids, I think, were 10 and 14 years old, uh, and so the pansexual thing just basically means you utterly see the world with no gender at all. You don't see yourself as a gender, anybody else with a gender, your sexual interests, and, and uh, it's just with, with anything. It's just, it's just kind of a non-identity and, and a rejection of all um, you know, traditional identity. 
you know, I'm saying these are tender topics, but actually this is why it makes Governor DeSantis even more brave because many people, even here in the great state of Texas, we have a hard time getting these kind of issues discussed in the legislature because the left will pile on you, pounce on you, denounce you, ridicule you. It's so much easier just to throw your hands up and say, fine, fine, anything goes, I don't care. But if, unless we want to surrender our society to the Disney mentality, more people have to speak up, defend Governor DeSantis, pursue laws like that in your state, get the teachers and the schools out of the role of teaching sexual morality to children because that's what they're doing. They're not just explaining facts like you know how a tree grows or some other fact. They are advocating for the sexual orientation and behavior and legitimacy, and they're advocating for the legitimacy of everything they are explaining. It's like if a teacher in any other subject that you would all agree was not acceptable, if it was just taught in school with no moral framework, you'd say, hey, wait a minute, you just taught them about that, about white supremacism, and didn't say it's evil, you just defined it, left it alone? But that's what's happening with sexuality. They are just defining, laying out all these, in, a bunch of information with no morality context. That's why many parents just say, no, actually, please stop, please stop. We want to be the ones to teach our children about morality related to sex. Okay, I have to tell you something very quick because you want Ramos down with our showtime today. Number one, I'm taking a week off. Uh, the show will resume on Monday. The show will be back on Monday, April 11th. Taking a week off, doing a lot of thinking, planning for the uh, summit, planning for the website, taking a little break with my husband. So next show is April 11th on a Monday. Also want to urge you uh, to go to our website, americacanbetalk.org. Sign up for the newsletter, become a member for $50 a year, and also consider supporting this show. It's how we stay on air is your generous support. So for our listeners who are off, going off, I will talk to you Monday, April 11th, and thereafter, Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time. For those listeners who are online with us, I close every show by telling you why the stories we talked about today matter to you. So we start our show, Why Leftists Attack Ginny and Justice Clarence Thomas. Clarence Thomas has never conformed to the way the left insists that all black-skinned people should think and act. He's a classic conservative patriot who happens to be black. The left, led by then-Senator Joe Biden, has hated Thomas since his nomination to the Supreme Court. Thomas has become a powerful intellectual force on the court, a brilliant, principled, unapologetic, pro-American, pro-Constitution, Catholic, and therefore deeply Christian thinker and writer. And so the left is obsessed with destroying him. Kerfuffle over Ginny's text, oblivious to the sexism of denying her the right to be an activist citizen and built on the false construct that the 2020 election cannot be questioned. The left questioned the 2016 election for four years and still question it. Justice Thomas is an anti-left cultural icon who puts the lie to racist America, threatens the left's power, and fuss over his wife's text, just new pretext to try to destroy him. And leftist loony loses seat. Airline passenger illustrates the reality and depth of Trump derangement syndrome. Harasses young male passenger for wearing a MAGA t-shirt. Insists that the young man be moved away from sitting next to her. She even noticed, said, if you heard her on the tape, he's in my space. He's like sitting in his own chair. Pilot ordered her and her husband off the plane. Passengers cheered their removal. Trump derangement syndrome is both sad and disturbing. A media created insanity that still afflicts many Americans. Joe Biden is everything the media said Trump would be. Irrational, ranting and raving, compromised, and bringing the world to the brink of world war. And the problem is Trump? And finally, DeSantis, Disney, and children. Culture war is growing ever more warlike. Leftist wokeism is controlling corporations like Disney, demanding conformity to a political agenda. Florida law protects young children, kindergarten through third grade, from being sexualized by public school teaching. No morally sane person supports the sexualization of young children. Perverting the law into don't say gay, which is what the left tried to call it, is flatly dishonest and hysterical. A true test of we the people, the vast majority of Americans are fed up with this nonsense and perversion. But unless and until the people rise up and boycott Disney parks and movies, Disney will continue bowing to a left-wing mob they fear more than they fear Americans. Walt Disney would be aghast at the craven leadership of his company. And that, my very fine friends, is America Can We Talk. I want to remind you again, we're taking a week off. I'll be back on Monday, April 11th.
I very much look forward to that time and the time in between. We're going to be working on our summit coming up. Again, mark your calendars, October 15th. You'll want to get a ticket. You'll want to come. It's going to be a rich day of celebrating America and America's unique and extraordinary greatness. I thank each of you for the donations we've received. I appreciate your support so very much. I want you to understand that this show is made possible by listeners like you. People who love hearing truth, they want to hear people speak truth bravely, as I do on this show. People who want to celebrate and preserve America and its unique and extraordinary greatness. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. This is America Can We Talk. I'll be back Monday, April 11th at 3 p.m. And I will talk to you then. And I do this show to speak up for America because America matters. And I'll talk to you in a week. Can we talk truth about America?